Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. With AT&T in-car Wi-Fi, stay connected wherever you go and transform your vehicle into a dependable Wi-Fi hotspot. Powering applications like real-time GPS and voice assistant, navigation becomes a breeze. Even on the practice field, AT&T in-car Wi-Fi keeps you connected while in proximity of your vehicle. Work, stream shows, or finish homework without missing a beat. See if you're eligible for a free trial at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. Don't let connectivity be a roadblock in your journey. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't get distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. You're listening to The Cost of These Dreams from Wright Thompson, a podcast about sports stories from iHeartMedia, Graphic Audio, and Goat Rodeo. This next episode is called The Greatest Hitter Who Ever Lived On. It's pretty much impossible to talk about baseball greats without mentioning Ted Williams. For those who might not know who Ted Williams is, He was a baseball player who played for the Boston Red Sox in the middle of the 20th century. He is probably best known as the greatest hitter who's ever lived. He's the last baseball player to ever have hit 400 in a season, uh, which is unheard of in modern baseball. In the middle of his baseball playing, he became a military hero as well. In 1942, he enlisted in the Navy and flew fighter jets during World War II. When he retired, he had hit over 500 home runs in his career and still today is widely seen as one of the best players to ever touch a baseball bat. And after he retired from baseball, he became a well-respected fly fisherman. He became one of the best fly fishermen in the world, actually. Ted Williams is just a man who pursued excellence in almost everything he did. But something strange happened at the very end of Ted's life that altered the public opinion on him. If you didn't know about Ted Williams, the baseball and military hero, you might have heard about the Ted Williams who had his head cryogenically frozen. And once this news broke that Ted Williams had his head cryogenically frozen, almost all of the public perception around him was tied to this single event. He was Ted Williams, professional baseball player and man who had his head frozen. All anyone wanted to talk about when it came to Ted Williams was his frozen head. It was just so strange. It didn't make any sense why this great American hero would have this done. So reporters started digging into the story. And that's when people started to learn about Ted Williams' family life. One of the things that were revealed in all this was that Ted Williams' beloved baseball figure was also Ted Williams' terrible father figure. And by all accounts, the very things that made him great on the baseball field 
might have been the very things that made him such a terrible father. This was all made very public by a book that was written from the perspective of Ted's first daughter, Bobby Jo, who made a lot of allegations about Ted Williams being an abusive and absent father. And from her side of the story, Ted's wishes were to have his ashes scattered near a great fishing spot. And she said Ted's wishes were ignored by his other two children. This family battle played out very publicly in courts and on late night talk shows. But these other two children, John Henry and Claudia Williams, the ones who had Ted's head cryogenically frozen, they were extremely reticent to share their story, only saying that this was the family's wishes and they had no further comment. It was going to be really hard to find out why they thought this was the right thing to do. To make matters even more difficult, John Henry died of leukemia shortly after his father, leaving Claudia Williams, Ted's youngest daughter, to bear the brunt of all this public scrutiny. It's at this point where Wright goes to visit Claudia Williams. Ted Williams of the Red Sox, a baseball enigma, at times gay, friendly, and affable, at others grim and sullen, at war with the fans and sports writers, but always at peace with the kids and content by the side of a fishing stream. Whatever his mood, he was one of the great baseball hitters of all time. The story began two years ago when I reached out to Claudia Williams about meeting at her home in Hernando. She said that her father, Ted Williams, wanted to be frozen. When I met her, she was somebody who was just hiding from the ghost in her life. And it felt like that was the single most important detail of almost every moment of every day, was protecting herself from the past. It was in the fall of 2014, and we just talked for hour after hour. She let me go through the filing cabinets and the safes and her father's hospital records. So I went down there a lot, and I really uh, liked her and was protective of her. One of the big conflicts in her life is that the person she knew had very little to do with Ted Williams' American hero. That's why people were so mad when his head got cut off, because they felt like he belonged to them, and Ted didn't. You know, he barely belonged to anyone, and if he belonged to anyone, it was... Very, very briefly, Claudia. So I'm at this old-timers game, 1984, and I'm with my mom. My brother had the privilege of being the bat boy on the field. And the announcers were going through all the wonderful players that were coming up to bat, and there was, was Johnny Pesky, there was Dami, Dami DiMaggio, that was Joe DiMaggio's brother. And I didn't, know, I didn't know a lot about baseball, so when the announcer would talk about this great catcher, I, I just assumed, well, Dad plays baseball, surely he catched too, but it wouldn't be Dad. So as every time the announcer started to, 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 to describe the players, I'd, I'd grab my mom's T-shirt or shirt, and I'd say, is that, is that Dad? Is that Dad? She's like, no, 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 no. And then the announcer would proceed by saying, Johnny Pesky, Dom DiMaggio, Bobby Doerr. And then finally... The announcer started talking about a player whose records still stand today, whose averages have been yet to be touched. 
But he said one line, and when he said it, the whole crowd erupted. The hair on the back of my neck is standing up just like it did in that moment. That was the last thing I heard, and everybody stood up in the stands, and I was little. I was trying to see this person come out on the field. I wanted so badly to see this man who was getting this kind of response. And it was at that moment that my mother looked down at me, and she reached down, and she picked me up, and she said, that's your father. Claudia Williams lives in this sprawling Florida community that's popular among retirees. The first resident and primary spokesperson for the community was her father. Hi, I'm Ted Williams. If you've always dreamed of a place in the sun, come to the outdoor wonderland of Citrus County, Citrus Hills, on the Florida Gulf Coast. Citrus Hills, fuck this. Let's get another one. Fuck, I'm sick of this shit. Claudia doesn't have any kids. So she's sort of in this forever state of being Ted's daughter. And it's hard to have a close relationship if your father is Ted Williams. She didn't really know him for much of his life. And while she wanted to be close with her dad, she was always trying to escape his shadow. Claudia left home at 16, moving to Europe to finish high school, working as a nanny. She lived in France and then Switzerland and then Germany, any place where nobody had heard of Ted Williams. She cooked hot dogs in a gypsy circus. Her father would offer her money, but she refused it. But she would write her dad letters, and in them she described being adrift, telling her dad she felt like a lost athlete, looking for a sport. Yeah, I mean, you know, her dad was, in a well-intentioned way, always trying to make up for his absence with grand gestures. You know, her dream was to go to Middlebury College in Vermont, And she didn't get in. So Ted called the governor of New Hampshire, who called somebody in Vermont, who pulled some strings. And she got a reconsidered acceptance letter. And she opened it up. And she just was weeping with rage because she knew what had happened. And so she told them no. This is how Claudia dealt with a father that was never around. And when they did spend time together, it was pretty terrible. This was her way of seeking some sort of emotional and financial stability of her own, even if her father was always reinserting himself. Claudia ended up going to Springfield College, where no one even knew her father was Ted Williams. Until one day, she asked some guys who played baseball to teach her how to throw. And she went to her friends, who were all baseball players, and uh, said, you have to teach me how to throw a baseball. And they were like, why? And she said, well, I don't want to throw like a girl. My father won't like it. And they're like, what are you talking about? She's like, I have to throw out the first pitch at a Red Sox game. And they were like, why? And she said, well, um, you know, my father played for the Red Sox. Your father's Ted Williams? You maybe uh, buried the lead a little bit? You want to mention that? She just never, ever wanted to get anything because of who her dad was. For, for so many years, he wasn't her dad. How do you like this for a setting? Two out. The tying run at third, the winning run at first, last half of the ninth inning, and the 400 hitter of today at the plate, Ted Williams. Paso pitches, Williams swings, there's a high drive going deep, deep. It is a home run against the tip top of the right field stand.
Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. At UC San Diego, we understand that in order to turn the vast unknown into new cures or human connections or expansive culture, you have to be willing to venture further out. That's why we'll go as far as the International Space Station, with cancer cells in hand and novel medicines in mind. That's why we map the seemingly randomness of forest fires and connect them with revolutionary AI to see where they'll appear next. And it's why we arrive on the San Diego shore from all over the world to bring different perspectives to our world's biggest challenges. When you push the boundaries of science, art, and culture, whole worlds open up. And at UC San Diego, that's where the real adventure starts. Learn more at ucsd.edu. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Were you unhappy as a kid? It's, people have theorized you had an unhappy childhood and baseball was an there were outlet. Things in, there were things of, of a personal nature that bothered me. And I think that happens in life. And uh, uh, things that I wish that could have been a little easier. Ted Williams hated his childhood. He left home before high school graduation, just like Claudia. He'd been raised by an erratic and absent mother. Ted's father was an alcoholic, and his mother was obsessively focused on her work for the Salvation Army, to the point of neglect, leaving Ted and his brother home for dozens of hours on end. Your dad wasn't around that much. Your mom worked for the Salvation Army. Yeah. And was kind of obsessed yeah. with that in her That's own way. right. And there wasn't too many people at home. And I, I mean, uh, and I had a chance to do what I wanted to do. And uh, so, but that playground was important to me. 
As far as he was concerned, his family gave him nothing but a name. And as soon as he grew old enough, he gave it back, changing the teddy on his birth certificate to a more respectable Theodore. And the anger that dominated Ted's life started there. She never saw him play a Major League Baseball game, even though she lived through his entire career. I mean, her son was Ted Williams, and she never went to a game. She died 11 months after he famously hit a home run in his final at bat. One and one to Williams. Everybody quiet now here at Fenway Park after they gave him a standing ovation of two minutes, knowing that this is probably his last time at bat. One out, nobody on, last of the eighth inning. Jack Fisher into his windup. Here's the pitch. Williams swings, and there's a long drive, the deep right. That ball is going, and it is gone. A home run for Ted Williams. In his and uh, Ted flew home and paid for the funeral. I mean, he was a dutiful son. He took care of all of the logistics. You know, he did it well. And then he went through all her stuff and got the family photographs and tore them up into pieces and threw them away. And that was 1961, and it seems clear he was just determined that he was never going to be hurt by his family again. And for most of the next 41 years, he lived like an island. Ted had this terrible lifelong feud with the press. One time, he actually spit on them. But what a lot of people don't remember is that this feud started with a question about his mom. A reporter wrote in a column, what kind of a boy doesn't go home in the winter to visit his mother? Most nights after games, Ted would head back to the hotel where he lived. He'd sit in his room and tie fishing lures, alone. For Ted Williams, whose quest for fish and game has taken him to the five continents and down hundreds of rivers and waterways, this is the one that always brings him back. Ted hid in the hyper-focus required by baseball and by fishing, hiding from his own children, which by this point were very much in the picture. Ted's first daughter, Bobby Jo, came into the world in the middle of his career, and there are many stories of Ted's anger and him taking that anger out on her. I mean, she was born in the middle of his career and just was doomed from the beginning. I mean, Ted had these incredible rages, and whoever was near him bore the brunt of that. And, I mean, sometimes it was her. One time he spit a mouthful of food in her face. Ted desperately wanted Bobby Joe to go to college, but instead she got pregnant, became suicidal, and entered a psych ward. Ted paid for her abortion. Bobby Joe had trouble holding down a job and would struggle with manic depression, and she would never really come to know Ted's other children, her half-siblings, Claudia and John Henry. On the day his son, John Henry, was born, Ted Williams was salmon fishing in Canada. He'd been retired from baseball for eight years. And that day, like always, he wrote in his fishing journal. He kept these detailed logs, which are, Claudia still has. I went through all of them. Uh, and they describe every single day he went fishing. He talks about the water temperature, which was 70 to 72 degrees, uh, which friends came up to fish. He never mentioned a pregnant Dolores, and he never mentioned the boy. Claudia came along when Ted was already 53 years old. So right from the start, she and her brother John Henry knew they weren't going to have much time to learn all the lessons they knew Ted had to teach them. 
Whenever they'd ask questions about his childhood or his life, he'd just scowl and grumble and say, read my book. What an asshole. I mean, just an asshole. The marriage between their mother and Ted didn't last long. He got his freedom to fish every day, and she got the kids. Claudia remembers growing up with a mother increasingly bitter over her failed love affair. So all she and her brother had was each other and their quest to decode their dad and maybe find themselves in the process. It's awful easy to find something wrong with somebody and sometimes hard to find something good. And I certainly am a very, very sympathetic person and forgiving person. The kids coped in different ways. John Henry would rescue stray cats and nurse them back to health. Even though they didn't see him that often, they'd go visit Ted together. And when they did, John Henry would do his best to try and protect Claudia from Ted's rage. And the first time they ever went down to Florida, he sort of briefed her on like, all right, you know, this is not a vacation. We're going into a war zone with a lunatic. Uh, so, you know, don't annoy him. Make sure you go to the bathroom at the airport. Uh, she got a really bad sunburn, and they were scared that Ted was going to be angry at them. So uh, John Henry would just feed her ice chips and ginger ale because she was throwing up from the sun poisoning. And he would rub Vaseline on her shoulders and tell her not to cry. I mean, you know, this was about as far away from a celebrity childhood as you could imagine. They lived on an isolated farm in Vermont. They didn't have a television. They were isolated by both the environment and by the fame of their father. And so they created their own world. And in a very real way, they were the only two who understood what it was like to live in it. They were very, very close. Claudia said it was pretty clear that after four decades of living on an island that Ted wanted to change. I mean, the problem is, is that, I mean, almost nobody knows how to repair something that was so completely broken. If you ask Claudia, the change began when she graduated from college. Ted asked her what she wanted for a graduation gift, and she said, time. Nobody thought Ted would agree to this as a gift, but he did. And so Claudia, John Henry, and Ted all flew together to San Diego and drove up the Pacific coast. It felt like a do-over. They asked him questions, and he answered them, which was insane. He asked them questions. It was funny. Claudia sort of always thought, you know, like they say alcoholics stop aging at the, at the age they become an alcoholic. She thinks that's true of famous people. And so that her father was a 20-year-old his entire life. And she was like, and it was funny because we were around 20, and it was like we were all the same. So many firsts happened on that trip. Claudia and John Henry saw Ted's childhood home. On this trip, for the first time, he never lost his temper or spun off in a rage. He wasn't angry, and they weren't scared. While they were in San Francisco, they saw a fortune teller. Ted was skeptical, but John Henry insisted and dragged his father over. The fortune teller starts like reading Ted Williams' palm and uh, didn't recognize him. And... And Ted has this huge grin on his face. And when he's smiling, he doesn't look like Ted Williams. And the fortune teller looked up at Ted and said, you've got some heavy burdens you're still carrying, and it's time to let them go. And Collie was just like... From that moment on, Ted Williams tried to follow that advice. He really tried. To me, you're the Duke. 
You're the Duke of baseball. I know John uh, Wayne. No, I, know, I, know you I, met I don't him feel once. that at all. You Gee. don't feel you were you were Ooh. the John Wayne you, of baseball. You know why? I know how many bad things I've done. I'm I'm ashamed of them. And uh, uh, no, no, I think that uh, I did some pretty good things. But what are you ashamed of? What do you tell me? What you're ashamed of right now? Oh, I'm telling you. I can't tell you, Christ, and I'm gonna throw you in jail. <laughs> uh, I I I think there's very few people that have really lived a lot of life. Oh man. That can't say that that uh, they didn't do some things they wish they regret and wish they had never done them. Soon after that trip, and just as John Henry and Claudia were repairing their relationship with their father, Ted started getting sick. Absolutely the greatest joys in my life, uh, the greatest happiness in my life, and uh, the proudest moments of my life. I think, what a shame. Mm. You said, what a shame. What a shame about that, about it wish you had to spend more time with them when you were, when you were younger? That's exactly right. I wish I, but you know, here I was playing baseball. John Henry Williams, Ted's only son, is active in helping his father carry out his vision for his legacy. A bittersweet thing happened when Ted Williams suffered two strokes in the mid-90s. It forced our relationship to come very close, and uh, it was probably the, one of the biggest blessings in disguise. Not only did it force that, but it probably saved his life because attention got brought to his health. John Henry and Claudia cared for him every day. They sought out anything that might buy him more time, no matter how experimental, unorthodox, or just plain weird. You know, they were paying $30 a pill for vitamins. They were pumping oxygen-rich air into the room. They tried bee pollen and acupuncture. They got a therapist to talk to him about his feelings. John Henry bought a dialysis machine so Ted could get the treatment he needed at night, and nothing worked. John Henry and Ted would have epic fights, the sort of fights that only happen after a lifetime of dealing with a raging father. All right, now that's it. How off. Off. So these fights didn't really phase John Henry and Claudia. John Henry tried to control his father, and his father rebelled. It was around this time that people started to think that John Henry might have been going too far, that he was trying to control his father. But Ted knew that John Henry needed to take care of him. This obsessiveness of John Henry's, Ted knew was his fault. That was just part of all the damage he'd done. And the guilt Ted carried about the kind of father he'd been always slipped away whenever he did something to help his kids. I mean, so well, three things are happening at the same time. One, every day they feel more like a family. Two, he is getting sicker every day. And three, they are becoming increasingly desperate to stop two. And they're trying everything. Because like, just as he figured out how to be a father and they figured out how to be this weird family, he was dying. And that's when John Henry read a book about cryonics. Now, though, imagine when you die, freezing your brain and then being able to come back to life. Their life after death. More and more people are being cryogenically frozen here in hopes of one day getting a second chance at life. This is one of the liquid nitrogen doers where the brains are stored. Yes, you heard them right. Human brains stored in these containers. Cryonics is the preservation of brains in liquid nitrogen. And then the goal is to uh, hopefully revive that person. Revive a person so that a lifetime of memories and experiences are not forgotten. John Henry started to become increasingly obsessed with the idea of cryonics. 
He made charts and decision trees. He started plotting, making a plan for how he'd convince his dad to be cryogenically frozen. He knew he'd need Claudia to be a co-petitioner. You know, she let me go through the file. They have filing cabinets. I mean, I just went through Ted Williams' stuff. And it was, I mean, I read his fish, I read years of fishing journals. And uh, one of the things that was interesting is that I found the folder with the initial brochure that John Henry got from the brain freezing people, Alcor, I think. You could read the brochure and see where it was going. You know, the, the things they were, the immortality they were offering, I mean, it's not that they thought Ted Williams was such a great American that he deserved to live forever. It's that he had, it took so long for him to actually be their father that they wanted more time. Ted didn't want to be frozen at first. I mean, you know, his will famously said that he wanted to be cremated and have his ashes sprinkled at sea off the coast of Florida where the water is very good. I remember we were talking one time and she said, I just didn't want John Henry to lose his father. He really still needed a father. He needed to be able to prove himself in his father's eyes to become a man. And he hadn't done that yet. And he needed more time. Four years passed between John Henry's purchasing books about cryogenics and requesting membership documents from the company Alcor. You know, and John Henry kept circling around this thing. If you read it, and try to imagine yourself as having had this life with this guy, suddenly it starts to make sense. I mean, the, one of the lines I underlined the first time I read it was, uh, they described the, the, so the book is by this guy named Robert Ettinger, who's a science fiction writer uh, and a professor, although I can't imagine of what. And the book is called The Prospect of Immortality. And, you know, some of the arguments actually make sense. Like, if you're going to put them in the ground, why not just put them in the freezer? And if you're wrong, what does it really hurt? You know, if you have the money, well, how does it really matter? But the line that I remember reading where I was like, oh, this hit John Henry hard and also gave him license to do whatever he was about to do. But the book describes children who bury their parents as murderers. And you could just feel that festering. I mean, so John Henry started bringing it up at dinner trying to convince his dad. You know, Ted is gruff on a good day. Finally, one day, just looked over at Claudia. Like, are you in on this too? Like, you know, am I getting hot boxed by my kids about freezing my head? I think in a lot of ways, Claudia agreed to freeze Ted because it's what her brother wanted. And she remembered that farm in Vermont and just what it was like. And I think they or two of those people who would always have each other's back. Claudia finally agreed. She didn't want John Henry to lose his father. She says he needed his father so badly, and they all needed more time together. Ted's health declined more and more every day. Eventually, after trying every other option, it came to a point where only surgery would help extend Ted's life. And Ted said, I, I just want to spend more time with my kids and you know I've had a really good life if I die on the table I die on the table let's do it and so the doctor nodded and scheduled the surgery this is all according to Claudia 
She said she began to cry, and Ted's voice cracked when he tried to comfort her, you know, as she'd taught him to do. As risky as it was, Ted wanted the surgery. And it was in that hospital room where John Henry brought up cryonics for the final time. He knew he might not live through the procedure, and at the end of his life, she says, he'd finally put aside his own wishes for theirs. So it was a conscious attempt to undo the cycle of pain. If it means that much to you kids, he told them, fine. The more you learned about it, at a certain point, this incomprehensible thing felt inevitable. I couldn't even really explain to you. I'm just like, oh, his head was cut off and frozen 110 years ago. Do you know what I mean? Like, like something was unleashed that was unstoppable. It's funny. I used to make a lot of jokes about Ted's head that I, and like in private, I mean, that like I won't, won't ever make again. On the news hour tonight, a summary of today's news, remembering baseball legend Ted Williams, who died today. As baseball pauses for the All-Star break, it's also remembering one of its greatest heroes with the passing of Ted Williams this weekend. Baseball's greatest hitter leaves a lasting impression. The news breaks that he has died and has been frozen and that John Henry is behind the freezing. And, you know, John Henry did not have a good reputation in Boston and was sort of viewed as the spoiled, weak son of the powerful man. And, you know, Claudia had been a ghost. Because you and I are always talking about Ted Williams because we're fascinated by the fact that, like, he froze his head. Right. Why did Ted Williams choose only to freeze his head? You really don't believe he agreed to this at all? Uh, That's correct. Uh, According to everything that I've seen... There was a lot of speculation after it happened. Like, how did they... What were they thinking? And the answer is however perversely you might think it is, they were thinking a lot. I mean, he went through it all. I just think he forgot that uh, Ted Williams didn't belong to them. He belonged to the public. People of Boston didn't think Ted Williams was his to freeze. That's what's really going on here. I mean, they're not wrong either. You know, it's just complicated. The greatest hitter who ever lived died in 2002 and is frozen at 7895 East Tacoma Drive in Scottsdale, Arizona. If you only read the articles, you would have learned that Ted Williams' daughter Claudia and her brother John Henry supported cryonics, but that not everyone in the family agreed. John Henry's older half-sister, Bobby Jo, wanted her father cremated and sued her siblings in the courts and fought them. Claudia has spent considerable time looking for documents that would prove she was in the hospital for the signing of the informal contract. Other accounts of Ted's life strongly suggest, without ever saying so directly, that she was lying about being there. Claudia says she visited the hospital so many times that all those trips ran together, but she remained steadfast. Whether fueled by anger, misunderstanding, jealousy, or love, nobody is unaffected. Nobody is clean. It's a mess. The same forces that made Ted such a disengaged, bad father for much of his life were the forces that also made him this weird kind of public property. Ted created all of these forces. He created the broken children who fought each other in public. He created the legend 
that people felt like they owned, that they felt like Claudia and John Henry had somehow besmirched. He created Claudia and John Henry's desperation. This was all written in stone before any of these kids were ever born. I mean, this has been barreling toward this for three generations. Ted Williams left behind so many unanswered questions that two of his children went to the extreme edges of science to find more time for them to be answered, while his third child went to equal measures to stop them. This all played out publicly. For comedians and baseball fans and biographers, cryonics was a joke or a disgrace. But inside the Williams family, it was a profound act of love. I went there for a couple of reasons. One, I went there to find out how this could have seemed like the thing to do. Like, I just wanted to know, like, how many generations of stuff had to pile up until two people or three people sat down in a room and said, you know what, here's what we should do. Because that's what's interesting to me. I mean, I think almost certainly he agreed. We run out of time, almost always. If Ted had lived five more years, his head wouldn't be frozen. And if Ted had been a father for the first 70 years of his life, his head wouldn't be frozen. And, you know, like, you know, this incomprehensible thing actually starts to make sense. The Cost of These Dreams is from iHeartMedia, Graphic Audio, and Wright Thompson. This series is produced by Goat Rodeo. Ian Enright and Megan Nadolsky are the lead producers. This episode is part of the eight-part series, The Cost of These Dreams. Find other episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to dive in deeper to Wright Thompson's The Cost of These Dreams, access the full audiobook wherever you get your audiobooks. Discover other works by Wright Thompson, including his latest book, Pappyland, wherever books are sold. From the Goat Rodeo team, production assistants from Rebecca Seidel, Isabel Kirby-McGowan, Hamza Shittu, Maxwell Johnston, and Kara Schillen. Music by Ian Enright. Our deep thanks to Wright Thompson, Caitlin Riley, and John Weiss. Thanks for listening. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
tired of pickup truck bed chaos? Meet Decked, game-changing USA-made full bed-length drawers for tools and gear. Waterproof, dustproof, lockable, secure. Whether you're working, hunting, fishing, camping, or just getting out of town. And introducing Decked Deco cases. Tough, modular, problem-solving cases built for the truck, job site, campsite, or garage. Say goodbye to random bins and tie-downs. Order now at Decked.com slash iHeart for free shipping. Decked, your truck, your rules. Decked.com forward slash iHeart. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 